Shows are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Welcome to the Adventures in Tech Podcast. Talking the latest tips and trends in educational technology to innovate and engage your students. Here are your hosts, Andrew and Dan. Back at it live at Dice Gate 2022, the convening conference. We are back on the exhibition floor, ready to rock, ready to roll. Dan, are you ready? I'm ready. What a wonderful Monday. It is a Monday, right? So we've had a, a great uh, number of sessions that have already been completed, and we'll be sharing out a ton of information. I know I was able to go to the Misfit Educator one today by uh, John Redeker, which we are going to talk about on another episode. Uh, John will be with us later on this afternoon. Uh, I know we talked about PBL, right? Right. I got a little PBL tapas this morning, and that was with uh, some of our colleagues who've been on the podcast before, John and Tara. Right. So they put together an awesome session, so we're hoping to follow up with them some point and maybe share what they put out. Exactly. And then we just had a keynote, which was it was just mind-boggling with some of the information that John Inarelli, FBI John on Twitter, uh, shared about cybersecurity and how not only as students as in education and how you can protect cyber attacks in education, but also he really, you know, hit home where he says, how do you protect yourself in your personal world? Which I think a lot of people were just, they may not have come to the keynote because they're like, ah, you know, I don't really have control over cybersecurity in my district. But when you think about it, and it, and he, something that resonated with me that he said is it's not a matter of, of if it's going to happen to you, it's a matter of when it's going to happen to you because of the number of cyber and ransom attacks that are happening on a daily basis across the country, across the world, and how it impacts everybody and your privacy. And then, of course, we went into the student privacy part, which we keep talking about in relation to EdLaw2D specifically in New York State. So, so far, I mean, it's only uh, 11 a.m. here, and uh, yeah, we're rocking and rolling. Lots going on already. We have some uh, great guests here. Yes, I'm very excited with our guests this morning. So, we have Braden from Boxlight, and also the creator, we'll do, have you do your whole thing with Robo3D, right? Welcome yep, to the yep. podcast. Thank you. Glad to be here. And we also have one of our former esteemed colleagues, past yes. president of NYSKATE extraordinaire, Mr. Paul Rubio. Former esteemed. I, I, I've lost my esteem. You're still esteemed. No, you're still esteemed. <laughs> I just still, said former colleague, I, I think. Former <laughs> colleague. So we've been up here together for days, and this is the first time we crossed paths. And That's it. We, and then we put a microphone in front of him and said, here we go. I know. I, I really wanted, like, I saw Paul from a distance, and I heard the Bette Midler song in my mind there, you know, because <laughs> Paul was all the way, Paul's a busy guy still, even though he's past president of NiceGate, but, and he's also in charge of the Mid-Hudson Teacher Center. Yeah, yeah, we're, uh, I'm, I'm having a great time. I love, and the NiceGate conference is just great to be around people who want to chat about technology and learning. Really, really, it's a good vibe here, and uh, it survived the pandemic. Thank goodness. And um, has thrived, and, you know, if, if, if you ever get a chance to come to Rochester for the state conference, you really need to do it. And, and there's, you know, other things happening around New York. So if you're a New York educator uh, and, you, you know, you're interested in technology, you, this is the place. That's it. All right, so Paul, we're gonna get into more of what the teacher center's doing and what you've seen so far at the convention. And then, but before we do that, we do wanna, uh, you know, be mindful of Braden's time from Boxlight, right? So uh, two, two hats you're wearing, Braden, right? You got Boxlight and then Robo3D. So 
First light, first off, let's talk about Boxlight. We know Boxlight, you know, is basically what we've learned is developing innovative technology that inspires and drives success in all organizations. The solutions are easy to install and design to meet districts specific needs. Did we do a good Yeah, synopsis? that was actually that was a good one. Yeah, it's I mean Boxlight <laughs> really is an education technology company. So they sell lots of classroom solutions. A lot of people when they see all the stuff that we have, they think we're a reseller of the products when we're actually the manufacturer of all these different solutions. Ah, so we sell everything from STEM to audio to interactive flat panels to professional development to software, all that stuff. So And creating all that stuff as well? Yeah. I mean, most of it came from acquisitions, right? So they would look okay. at who's a great 3D printer company and acquire someone or who's a great robotics company and acquire someone or who's a great, you know, audio company and acquire it. So it is a lot of acquisitions, but um, a lot of resources under one roof, which is really nice. That's great. So we are at the Bloom booth again, so we do appreciate them uh, setting up our space. But Boxlight, you guys were brought over with us and, and here, and we're excited to have you here. Yep. Thank and, you. And so you're coming over to Boxlight from the creator aspect, am I correct? Yeah, yeah. I was so, one of the founders of Robo 3D Printers. So I've been doing 3D printing for almost, it's been almost 10 years now, which is crazy to think about it. Shortly after college, I uh, started the company on a dining room table in San Diego, California, and it just went a lot of different avenues from there, but I've been involved in kind of seeing it flourish within education for about six years now. So That's entrepreneurship That's a, at its yeah, finest right yeah. there. Right. Yeah, we were, how I joined Boxlight and became the VP of STEM was um, they ended up acquiring us right when the pandemic hit. So I joined and had this grandiose plans of how we were going to put this project-based learning program in schools with 3D printers. And as we all know, like no one wanted to do hands-on learning during the mm, pandemic. So hold. that was really difficult. But now it's coming back with a vengeance. And um, our schools that I talked to are really excited about it. So Awesome. Awesome. All right. So let's talk 3D printing and 3D printers because I think there's two, two mindsets that really come to mind with people. So we have educators that kind of have FOMO or fear of missing out on it. And then we have educators that are also kind of saying how do I tie this into my curriculum so it's not just another thing my administration may see I need to or I'm trying to do? We do have the administrators that are like, oh, this is great, but how does it tie in? Because unfortunately, we know a lot of the mindset is if it's not producing positive on a assessment level, mm -hmm. their mindset may be like, I don't see the value. Yeah, so yeah. how do we change that framework? No question. And I, I would say like when we first started putting 3D printers in schools back about six years ago, we didn't have any really curriculum or anything like that. So we just thought the technology was cool and we knew at some point like a teacher or a tech savvy STEM director or whatever would take this and it would just become a thing in the school districts. What we found pretty quickly is that rarely happened. Right. Uh, the technology ended up collecting dust in the back of the classrooms or got used by one person in the school or the district and that's sort of where it fell off. So what we did was we said, hey, how can we kind of create a program to make it accessible to all teachers, whether they're comfortable with the technology or not? So we acquired a curriculum platform called mystemkits.com, which was actually developed by teachers for teachers. So it was a way to take 3D printers, weave it into like the classroom with core instruction. So use it for math class, use it for science class, use it for history class and create and develop hands-on projects. And it just started to kind of become a program that was working within schools. We saw a lot of success, especially with teachers that have never used a 3D printer before. Right. So that was the big thing is we need, just need to change the culture of the classroom, make them feel comfortable with it, let them bring to life what they're already teaching, and make learning fun. So that was a big part of it. Yeah. 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 
that's the key. What you said at the end there, learning is fun. Mm -hmm. We have to have the students. We have to reach the, these 21st century students and their mindset has to be where, okay, learning is fun. We can do the note taking and we can do everything else that we've already done, but how do we really reach the students? We kind of have to weave it in where they don't understand we're doing what we want them to do with the standards, but it's fun because it's 3D printing, it's you know using any kind of technology, podcasting, whatever it is, we've talked about all that. It's really, how do we really harness the power of fun with getting what we want accomplished? Yeah, let me give you an example. So we have so a math teacher, for example, right? right? A math teacher, a sixth grade math teacher is like, why would I use a 3D printer for sixth grade math? Right. That makes no sense. Yeah. But the way it works with our program is you kind of link it into our platform. And for example, let's take Pythagorean theorem as a math topic. We have a lesson where you can print gliders and the students can launch them off with protractors and learn about Pythagorean theorem, but they're having fun doing it. They're right. launching gliders or they're launching rockets to learn about these different math concepts. So they're still getting the same learning benefit. They're still adhering to the same standards, but they're doing it with 3D printers, which they're eventually gonna be like, I wanna make my own, right? right that just yeah. naturally happens. And they're actually doing hands-on projects, which is really fun for them. So that's the stuff that I love and I've seen some incredible outcomes just from that process. Yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah. I mean, I just look at everything that you're describing and yes, you have the excitement and you're working with the 3D printer, but I'm thinking of all the valuable tools they're learning in the process mm -hmm. of looking at a creation aspect of like, I'm going to take something from nothing and build something of my own design or being assisted with something else, but I'm taking that and building something fresh. And I think that's inspiring for the students because we always want them to be able to have choice and have opportunities. Um, and they might develop a passion in that field. It seems like you had that passion in your field sitting yeah. at your table in yeah. San Diego. The dining room table, and, I love and it. Like a prime dining room table. A, a prime example of you know what it means to be a creator yeah. and create something authentic. Yeah, and, and like we take this topic of STEM, right? It's such a just buzzword, yeah. Buzzword we throw around, and it stands for science, technology, engineering, math. The way I sort of have started to look at it is, and taking 3D printing, for example, right? Instead of just STEM, science, technology, engineering, math, I sort of flip the words around, and I say, how can we use technology like 3D printing to teach math and science and other subjects, right? Don't be exclusive of other subjects. Sure. So how do we use this technology to teach these subjects and develop an engineering mindset? And so that, it, what we're talking about with like weaving it in, that's going to naturally happen when you're using 3D printers to create hands-on manipulatives, to teach what's already what's being taught normally in a textbook or something like that. You're kind of creating this environment where then students are going to be like, I want to build my own gliders now, or I want to build my own rocket. And they go in, on Tinkercad and they start designing and creating things. Right. So it just naturally develops, but it starts with like making it simple for the teachers. That's like the core of all of what we do. So yeah, it's a big part of it. The My STEM Kits curriculum, right? So I understand it's giving students, uh, you know, the way to develop their own design, solve problems, like you said, reach those engineering standards, explore those ideas, and turn it into reality, right? Yeah, so they're yeah. actually seeing the product. So what we've read up about is that there's over 300 plus K-12, right, uh, STEM lessons, 20 plus design challenges. So My STEM Kits really supports next-gen science standards and Common Core. Now. Is it a subscription-based or is it, you know, a one-time fee or annual? How does it work with, and is it bundled with a printer? Like, explain that process for us from, from that perspective. Yeah, it's, it's really bundled in with the product. So, right, when you get our hardware, like if you get our Robo 3D printers, yep. you get access to my STEM kits. Now, it's set up right now as an annual license, but we just rebuilt the platform to have an unlocking mechanism. 
So what we're going to do eventually is turn it into a perpetual license and you just get a certain amount of unlocks. Yeah. So if you're an elementary teacher and you don't need to unlock the middle and high school lessons, you don't right. have to do that. And so you'll be able to use those lessons forever. But if you want to add more, you can just add more unlocks to your actual pack. So is it district-wide licensing as well, mm -hmm. right? So yep. you could have a district-wide license based on number of users? Yep. Teacher, or school, or district. Yep. Teacher, school, or district. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. That's good. And yeah, the core of it, once again, the core of what we built is a way for you to... Now, if there's teachers that are listening that have used 3D printers... They probably understand. Have you guys used 3D printers? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yes. So slicing software is a very difficult thing for that's teachers what to I, figure That's out. where I wanted to go next. Yes. So I'm glad yes. you brought that yes. up. So how can what, you download Print Studio so many times and not find, can't find it? Half exactly. The time? And I and I'm like I you know I've had 2D printers right. So I'm always like the process of 2D printing is really easy. Why is 3D printing so difficult? So the pro, the core of my STEM kits is you link your 3D printer into the platform with a code. So it actually embeds it in and you use it as your 3D printer management system. Ah. And then it connects into all those manipulatives and lesson plans. So when you want to print a catapult to do a math lesson, you just click print and send uh. it directly to the printer. It's already pre-sliced. It's already ready to go. You don't have to mess with any settings. So for a teacher that's just getting started, they don't have to do anything other than load material. That's alleviating the stress yes. right there on the that, teacher. I, I just, from personal experience, that is a heavy lift off the back. <laughs> I, know. I mean, I just think the end of last year when we were working with that calculus class, yeah. and I, I can't describe the project because the math is way beyond me what they were doing, but when they're you know, developing the, the printing models and then having to go into the slicer right. software was very challenging. Oh, it's super challenging. And, that, and that's where we lose. I've watched this process over and over again. That's where we lose a lot of educators is like, okay, now you have to take this STL model that you found online. You have to put it into this software. You have to choose all these different settings and variables. Scale you have it. to click print. It turns it into another file. Then you have to put it on a thumb drive. Then you have to it's just like, <laughs> you, right. come on. Have guys. you been watching my, me for the yeah, last, like, my life. Uh, that's watching us? That's what we do. I just, mean, and that's crazy. where we're, we're getting teachers, I mean, they're excited. We get them in the 3D printing. The mm. students are engaged. They're designing, they're building and creating. And then Andrew and myself are there for... You see my gray Ow. hair? I mean, I know <laughs> I just got my hair cut. Same, but. I'm getting gray hair. <laughs> and, but, <laughs> this stuff. And, then, and then it's also, you have the STL file, yeah. you get it into the slicer, and then you realize, oh, I have to go back and revisit the file because I have too many errors and things are not matching I don't have up. enough supports, yeah. And then Same. finding the student to get back into the, it. So Same thing with our cloud system. So, like, you, obviously, everyone, when I talk about my STEM kits, because that's a big focus, I don't sure. talk about the hardware and the features because I know we've been doing that a long time. Our machines are rock solid, but... Um, same thing with our cloud printing system. So if you're using outside of my STEM kits, yep. it's already a pre-built slicer into it. So you just press print. And so you can go in and adjust settings if you want to, but the forward-facing system has all the settings already done. So if it's at a certain 45-degree angle, it'll automatically add supports. It puts rafts if needed. It does all these things for the teacher, so they don't need to figure out if that is needed or not. And once again, that is going to make more teachers get comfortable with the technology and I mean, that's where all the greatest stories of me being in this space has come from is like creating an easy program for the teacher. This teacher goes and does unbelievable stuff with their students and comes back and we create these you know, really cool stories from it. I think it's, it's a way of getting 3D printing back on the map without the heavy lifting, like you were yeah. just saying, you know, I want to ask a question about your, um, your Robo 3D printer, the Robo E3. Mm -hmm. That's the most recent model, correct? Yep. yep. Can you tell a little bit about its features and, you know, what's so great about it for classrooms and for teachers? Yeah, so we have two models. We have the Robo E3, which is our smaller, more compact version, and then we have the Robo E3 Pro, which is a more, like, high-performance version. The main difference with them is the print space, so how big right. can you make objects. 
or what a lot of people don't know is how many items you can put on one platform. So yeah. right. if you're printing a catapult, for example, for our math lesson, I'm just going to keep using that example because it's really Perfect. popular. You can do maybe two on our smaller one. You can do like eight on the bigger one Got it. Okay, at one time. So a full classroom set. Uh, and then the bigger one can also do a lot of different materials, the E3 Pro. But both these machines were designed for classrooms. That's another thing. It's like they are enclosed. They have filters in them. They mm -hmm. have easy to use features. Like they're meant to be used by a beginner teacher. Right. Okay. We got to make that part. Like we got to check that box first before anything else. And so, yeah, they have lots of bells and whistles. They have cameras in them. They have a remote printing. A lot of people put 3D printers in a STEM lab or a makerspace. Right. So with our remote printing capabilities, the teachers can be anywhere on the campus and still send a print to the printer if it's available. So it'll pop up and say not being printed or idle and green, and you can send a print to it. So that's a really cool feature that a lot of schools love. Does it take just the standard uses of filament or certain size millimeter, or is it varies with it? Yeah, the standard is like 1.75 millimeter or 3 right. millimeter is another one. But, yeah, it takes standard filament, open source, so you can use any material out there. Um, yeah, th those are just things, you know, being in the space so long. Our first machine, you had to lay painter's tape down on it to, yeah. in order to print, you know? Remember that, Paul? <laughs> yeah. Or, or, or the hairspray. Glue, the glue or, stick yeah. on, on, yeah. We're I'm, still, st I'm still doing that. Yeah, yeah. the glue stick, yeah. 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 Me too. And I talk to a lot of teachers here that are still doing that. Oh, yeah. And so when I tell them, like, no, our platform is actually already has an adhesive build plate, and when you're done printing, you just slide it off and flex it off, yeah. and the print pops off, and you can put it right back in and start printing again. You don't. They're like, don't you need to recalibrate? I'm like, no, I travel with this thing in a Pelican case <laughs> on airplanes, and I get out, and I plug it in and start printing. Yeah. Like, we don't want you to have to do those hard things. We need to get as close to 2D printing as we can with this technology in order for it to, like, become a thing in schools, right? Yeah. So as we look at the, the 3D printers in the My STEM kits, um, the big thing that I thought was interesting, because this came up recently with, are we able to use our current 3D printing models in classrooms, in office spaces, maker spaces, whichever, they're worried about the filtration with the fibers. And yep. I thought it was very interesting that you just said how it's got the HEPA filter, it's fully enclosed, mm -hmm. and then that way it's not an, an issue, you know, because that was something that was literally brought up to us in what, September or September. October? Yep. Like they were like, I don't know if you guys should be using these because so-and-so says there's, you know, it's, it's polluting the air. And I'm like, Okay, <laughs> I didn't yeah. have an answer. I was there like, hasn't been. I mean, most of the material we're using is like a biodegradable, non-toxic right. material called PLA. But right. so mm -hmm. you don't necessarily need to worry about. There hasn't been studies about it, but we saw kind of a growing trend towards schools and districts requiring enclosures and requiring filtration. Right. So we said, like, if we're going to make a model just for education, it has to have those features, right? It needs to be mm -hmm. safe for the schools that are going to be investing in the technology. So that was like a big. That's a thing I always lead with. Because, you know, I could talk about, like, oh, it has this feature, this feature. But bottom line, it's built for a classroom and it's safe, which awesome. is first and foremost. And it's really quiet, right? So it's not disruptive to a space or anything like that. A lot of the 3D printers that are open are just like, we have a, a 3D printer going pretty much consistently in our office. And one of the people in our office is ready to strangle us because yeah. she can't <laughs> listen to the sound of it anymore. She did say so. the other day it was, it was a little bit quieter, this model, this, this version. And I'm like, well, I don't know if I changed anything, but okay. Yeah, yeah. You know? well, take it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, exactly our first it. model was loud. And then, you know, we made our second two models. Um, and those ones were, you know, we kind of re revised it, but still, like, sound was a big thing. And so when every time a teacher comes up and they're like, I can't even hear it printing. Obviously, we're at a trade show. Right. But even when I go and, like, show it to a school or still district, quiet. they're like, oh, my God, this thing's printing right now? They just can't believe it. So that was a big thing with it. The, 
Um, the so when you're printing these manipulatives for the math lessons, like you said, you're seeing you know if you're printing two at a time, is it a collaborative lesson for the students? Like, are they sharing the catapult as an example, or is it kind of like every student gets their own? I'm sure they all want their own. Let's be honest, but. After a while, cost of filament and everything, you know, if you're teaching that, you know, four or five times, let's say it is, you know, uh, at a secondary level, it could add up very quickly. Yeah, I'm glad you asked that. Um, we would, you never would print every model for every student. Right. Um, everything we do is about collaboration. So even in our Good. lesson plans, we, we like sort of designate people to specific tasks in the project. Love it. They have it roles. Be. So they have their roles and, you know, they can pick which, who they want to be their roles. Um, so you might print a classroom set for 20 students. You might print five of them, right? Five catapults. You'd get the kids in groups of four, and they would do this actual lesson plan. Now, the beauty about it is they're like, oh, it's going to take a long time to print all these five catapults. You print them one time, and you have them forever, right? You, know, right. you don't need to, like, reprint them every time you're going in and doing a lesson again. Right. These can be just passed on from class to class. So you can kind of turn your classroom into a mini manufacturing facility, if you will. That's great. Uh, for many, and it's cheap. I mean, it's so cheap to make this stuff. Like, right. the actual material, that's another thing a lot of teachers go, is like, oh, it's going to cost a lot to make all this stuff. I'm like, these catapults cost me maybe, like, 50 cents worth of material mm -hmm. at max. You know, they're just so inexpensive to make manipulatives with a 3D printer rather than buying them. So, yeah, it's true. Yeah. So that's good. Um, no, the one thing I'm thinking about as, you know, you look at your 3D printer setup is I'm curious on how it works with the design um, element. So if students are creating something to be 3D printed, is it all in your system, their, their CAD software and everything to go through the design process? Yeah, so going back, take this catapult, for example, right? You, we have a lesson on standard deviation in it and a lot of other ones for the catapult. So you'd print the catapult. You know, you would do this hands-on activity. And then we have design challenges in that same kit. So you might print one catapult. The kids do a lesson with it on standard deviation, learning about that. And then you say, hey, students, you're going to design your own catapult lever, your own catapult basket. Here's the design challenge. And you give them, like, a whole design brief, a template. Uh, they have actual, like, parameters they have to stay within. Nice. And then we walk them through how to build a template for this, right? So we'll walk them step-by-step step using Tinkercad, which yep. all schools use. They're I was wondering yeah. if you're using Tinkercad yeah. or something else. Tinkercad, you can use any other software, right? You can use okay. any design software because they all export STL models. Mm -hmm. uh, but Tinkercad is the one we kind of teach students on. Right. And right. so they go through that process, they learn how to build their own, and then they can print and test them. Is there a software, because Tinkercad, we know their, their regulations are, it has to be ages 13 and up, right? Mm -hmm. So for an elementary level student who does not meet that criteria, is there a software you would recommend or, or that you've seen that will work with students under the age of 13? Um, there's, I mean, like, there's other softwares. There's stuff like apps on your iPhone. Like that you a Morphe or younger like ones, that. But, yeah, but they're not as great. I mean, right. the beauty about Tinkercad, and a lot of people actually don't go through this process, or, or teachers at least, but you can set up a Tinkercad classroom, yeah. and you can actually invite students without them making accounts. That's what we need. Yeah, right. That's so it's yeah, just, that's just click on a code and type a name in. The teacher has to set it all up. They have sure. to say, like, student one is this, student two is this, student two. And then they can just click the link, type their name in and their code, and they can just log in the classroom without making an actual account. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's sort of a way to still allow access to other students. That's the perfect way, then, to really have those kids that are not meeting the Edlaw 2D mm -hmm. compliance yeah. because, you know, but we have to get them out of the mindset of hey, signing with Google mm -hmm. or signing with Microsoft because that's what they're used to now. Yeah. Yeah. So as long as the, the work is front-loaded, so to speak, by the, by the educator, that'll work out. Mm -hmm. All right, so 
let's say people want your MyStem kits or they want the Robo uh, 3D printers. How do they how do they go about purchasing them? Whether it's a district, a teacher, where should we be sending them? Yeah, if you, if you just go, well, if you want to check out the products, you go to boxlight.com. There's a little STEM tab at the top. You can search all the STEM products. We have multiple things, but the Robo 3D printers are on there as well. So awesome. that's where you'd find them. And that's where they can get quotes or whichever to work right, straight through Boxlight. Exactly, yeah. And it, it'll eventually make its way to me. So just uh, <laughs> if you're listening to this, I will respond to you. You know, when I'm not at a trade show, I'm usually on the road. I actually have a, a traveling STEM sprinter van that I take to schools called the Mission to Mars van. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. And so we do a lot of demos. It's on got a good printing. vehicle wrap yeah, outside. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's got, <laughs> if you, you'll probably, if you kind of are leaving the show, you'll see it's got like a big dabbing astronaut on it. And it's <laughs> fun. Great. It's fun. It's a way for uh, teachers, administrators to kind of see how to use these products and, you know, with our curriculum and all that. So I just have some cool, cool teachers out there. So I just want to shout them out. Um, and I just want to tell one last story because Go this ahead. is something that's really inspiring. So we have a teacher named Shelly Emsley who is a fifth grade teacher in Montana. And she, th she came to me at a trade show just like this. And she said, 3D printing is so cool. Like, I want to do this, but I just don't know what to do. And we said, Shelly, just like, she's like, I don't have any money. We got her like on a donor's choose. She ended up yeah. getting a grant for a 3D printer. Connected into our MyStem kit, started doing some of our lesson plans. And then she's at home one night and... She's watching a documentary about how coral reef is dying around the world. And she said, I wonder if we can do something in our class in Montana. And so I'm like, she goes back and she basically starts saying, kids, you're going to design your own coral in Tinkercad. And we're going to make a coral wall. So they made this beautiful coral wall in the classroom. And then she connects them to a marine biologist on LinkedIn. She just goes on LinkedIn and starts messaging marine biologists. Long story short, they're making artificial coral reef structures out of a algae-based 3D printing material that are wow. being planted in the ocean wow. that coral can grow and live on. Oh my, oh my God. goodness. You're talking about, if I, I get chills talking about it every time. Yeah, it's crazy. I, really, I got I chills. A fifth grade class in an area not by the ocean yeah. that's like literally helping coral around the world with like, and you're talking about a t town of less than 5,000. That's powerful. That's amazing. So this is the type of stuff I love and this is why I do what I do. So yeah, hopefully that inspires that all you out there. You that story out there yeah, for yeah. her to inspire others. That's yeah. a great story. Like, Yeah, we know, filmed a video on it on YouTube. So if oh. you search Robo3D on YouTube, you'll definitely going to do that. share it out. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Well, listen, I got nothing else. I talk too much as always. <laughs> I appreciate Brady. your time. That was fantastic. You know, yeah, thank you great. so much. That, that was, was awesome. It. Paul. What are your thoughts? I'm just sitting here thinking <laughs> what, you know, uh, a lot of things are going through my mind. First of all, we, we run a center. We're, we're based at SUNY New Paltz. We run a, a, or we help run a center there with lots of devices, a lot of 3D printers, um, which are, are not, I'm just going to say they're, they're not your printers. Yeah, yeah. But what you've got me doing is thinking, wow, I, you know. You need to I up need, your game. I, well, you know, I mean, I... They were brought in by someone who was really forward-thinking, um, but it was always a chore. You, Dan, you were talking about slicing. I remember. Yeah. I, I, I still have clearly Nightmares. in my head yes. in our <laughs> office when I was with you guys. And and still today, there's difficulties with it. You know, the printers need pro there's problems. It's got to be as seamless and as integrated as Boxlight as you've done because mm -hmm. then you just let the barriers go down. And I think that this, this conference, I'm going to go back to NiceGate. I mean... It's so great to see the private sector, the vendors, the, the, the entrepreneurs, um, the stories like yours mm -hmm. that, that bring them together and in touch with the teachers and a sensitivity of what the needs are. Because I've seen lots of companies pr create products and then try to get educators to use them 
uh, change their techniques, change their approaches, and, and you can't do that. You have to know what the ecosystem is. And this clearly is good. I need to get over and talk to you <laughs> yeah, about yeah. it. Because we at our center like to, to, to do some, you know, um, situations where we can get teachers started learning things where they don't have the resources or the support or just the people to talk to. Mm -hmm. So our struggle, and we're going to continue on it, is to get teachers to talk to each other work with each other, get them some resources to get these things started. So I, this was one of the best half hour I just had yeah, the conference. <laughs> I'm just, thank you. And <laughs> you know, that, yeah. uh, it's really great. And, and I, I actually sat in a session last year, box light focus group session, and I oh, heard cool. about this. I thought, wow, that's cool. Yeah. But now I'm re-energized re to really like say, all right, what action am I, am I going to take? So we're going to talk about that. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm not, everyone kind of, takes me as like a sales guy in my role that I'm trying to sell the product, but I come from such an authentic part because right. I built the machine. I really care about how it's being utilized. I want to see these stories flourish. So that's like why I do what I do. I'm like really passionate about it. And I have probably a hundred stories I can tell you guys. I'm not going to go into all of them, but like that <laughs> Another type of episode. stuff like Shelly. Yeah, yeah, you is, can reach out. There's so many of these things that happen and it like just keeps me going. It keeps me motivated. So it's, I love it. It's it's really great to have this time to talk to you because sitting across from you, I see every time you start talking, yeah. you, your face lights <laughs> up. But like that authentic experience of like you are encapsulating everything that we would like to have our students experience. Mm. You know, if we look at, you know, reaching every student and providing opportunities and preparing them with the skills and everything to be successful in a future where who knows what their future is going to be. Yeah. Um, seeing you talk about it and come from that and living that experience, bringing this product and then bringing in the education is just fantastic. I like the way that everything is set up with the printer because you look at those, you know, next gen science standards and, and it's not even, it's next gen standards. Um, wherever you look, those cross-cutting concepts, and it's like you have the engineering and you have everything just yeah. weaved right into your vision. So. And, these, and the lessons have both NGSS and New York State standards. So like you right. can go in there and everyone was asking me yesterday, like, where well, are you gonna update the new standards? We have a full-time content development team. So we're developing new content, all the time. adhering to standards all the time. So that's something we actively do, which is really nice for teachers that are using the product. The real world application is what really just is, is mind blowing with how big 3D printing, we've talked about 3D printing, VR. Is it ready for prime time in education? And like I said, the biggest thing is getting over that hurdle of knowing how to implement it and make it utilized in your classroom. Sounds like the product that you have is really able to do that with the curriculum there, with the lessons. And then, like Paul was saying, to bring the teachers in, sometimes we know it's a funding issue. Like you mentioned, yeah. the donors choose, but as a teacher center, he's able then to kind of look at it and say, okay, we have this. Now, how can I distribute it to help these teachers start to facilitate it in classrooms, in our specific case, across the Hudson Valley? So, yeah. very yeah. powerful. Yeah. We're not, yeah, I mean, there's another 3D printer company. We're not as well known in New York, obviously, because there's a 3D printer company sure. that's based in New York right. uh, that most of the schools have. So, it's something, you know, we're, we're trying to help where we can and, you know, the schools that are Ship struggling. Ship away. Yeah, that, but, but I, I, let me just say that, that, that the, the, the ability to make it, to drop the barriers to, I mean, working with these guys, we got excited, we spent hours working on stuff. Andrew, when you were a classroom teacher, you spent hours and hours making things work because you were right. passionate about it. Right. And we both, we always knew that unless you make the process easier, like have the lessons, have the process there, 
and then the teachers can be creative a bit and build on it. This yes. is this if there's ever a, an area where that's needed. Yeah. There are other technologies that you can be open with and say be creative, make music, right. Whatever. Yeah. But with this that's been the thing that's held it back. Yeah. And my you know and this has been almost a decade. Yeah. And I'm think, you know, it's all of the things have always been there. It's good design, it's good engineering, but what you're describing is really is really going to help to make it to open it up um, in in just that little bit of having it all scripted and having it seamlessly work those little pieces make a big difference yeah. you, for you guys i can <laughs> it, imagine it i mean it's yeah. hours of trying to convince people oh no no it's okay you can really do this and and i'll be honest no. like when you say that hurdle of getting over especially the slicing software like there's right. often times where teachers have visions of 3d printing and we work with them and we try but sometimes it becomes so overwhelming that I stop before the print. Yeah, yeah. You know, we go through the, the process, right. we design, we learn, we create. Yeah. I'll just take that STL file and drop it into CoSpaces mm -hmm. and look at it in a merge cube. Right. Or um, thin link, right. And, and not go into that print. And then take, you know, cross my fingers and say, all right, we're going to try and print it. And yeah. a lot of people are going digital with a lot of their learning. So we're, we're still like holding on to turning, like, having that digital and physical. I want the physical. Yeah, that no, needs, it I needs to that be stuff. there. That yeah. needs to. And what people don't know is like 3D printing is impacting every major industry. So right. like, it's not just making tchotchkes, which you see some mm, companies sure. do at trade right. shows, like making things that aren't relevant to education or just making fun things. Like this technology is impacting everything. They're making homes with it. They're making organs with it. Right. They're making uh, you know, airplane parts with it. They're making rocket parts. Our first, uh, actually, our first employee, no joke, is now the head of 3D printing at SpaceX, and he's doing wow. like, all the 3D printing for rockets on SpaceX. Not to like tout us, he's just an incredibly smart guy, right. and wasn't with us that long because he was going off to bigger and better things, but it's just really cool to see the technology impacting all these different areas. Oh, Food absolutely. even, you know, mm -hmm. so. Yeah, it's it's definitely got its, you know, it's, it's the foreseeable future. Yeah. And this is, we're just starting to scratch the surface and as technology continues to evolve and become more efficient, we're going to see more and more uses. I mean, I'm still blown with the, the coral reef thing. I mean, yeah. just, <laughs> yeah. You know, for fifth graders, it, it's amazing. But, Andrew, you know, it's not the, the most powerful piece is what's, what's going on in the minds of the teachers and yeah. the students. And sure. That's an illustration of how make the tools easy to use, uh, you know, efficient and productive and mindful of the learning process and anything can happen. Yep. And I think that um, as, as much of an uphill battle as it's been over the years, and I, can, I go back to a long way with technology integration, now there's a momentum happening that just won't be stopped. It's just a question of how to help the people in education adjust. And there's, it's, it's a lot, I'm excited. I mean, I'm sort of in the twilight of this all, but I'm excited because there's a lot of synergy going on, and it's really, it's very different than it was years ago. Yeah. And it's very exciting. So, Yeah, so as we wrap up, we did want to mention, we saw that Boxlight Solutions won multiple awards right. in this year, 2022, you know, with uh, Learning Best of Show Words at ISTE Live 22. Mm -hmm. Is there anything you want to provide about that with those awards? I mean, that's kudos to you guys. Yeah, there, I mean, we're, what we're working on, I think a lot of now is like integrating all the products together, right? Like the Audio Solutions work with interactive panels. We have my STEM Kids curriculum built into the panels. There's a lot of these like integrations that's happening. I think that's attributing to a lot of these awards that we're getting, which is really nice. Right. And we're just full steam ahead. Love we're just it. really trying to get people to understand what we're doing, understand where the manufacturer 
understand it's one place they can go. We have a whole professional development team, which is really nice. So Great. we yeah. come in and train the teachers on how to use this stuff and how to use it with our curriculum and all that. So it's working out really well. And it's literally full steam ahead. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? Full steam ahead. How long have you been holding on? <laughs> I was waiting for him to finish, you know? That's just me. Like, that's my mind turning. The wheels are turning. Yeah, and we have career connections, too. I didn't even mention that. So everything we do in our lesson plans ties back to a STEM career, which is really important, too. Awesome. Oh, that's brilliant. So, yeah, it's awesome. something that we weave into it. It's just part of the teacher guide side of our uh, programs. But, um, you know, if they're doing something around, like, topography, we're tying it back to cartographers, you know? Right. So there's always going to be this career connection. So at least the teacher can mention it to the student, whether they – want to go down that career path or not at least they're going to know if they like what they're doing that there's an option for them available i always yeah i was just saying that you brought up the cartography and i'm going to stop because i'm taking but (laughs) i have this vision i've been working out with a teacher so we fly we we choose the area around the school fly the drone up to get 360 images of it compare it to the topographical lines on a map have them all figure out and then 3d print i love it the topography of the area i i've been talking about it and i Need the to, slicing software is holding you back. It is. <laughs> yeah. What it comes down to, Dan, we know that. You know, uh, we're definitely going to have to have a follow up. Okay, you know, yep, on the podcast, another episode. Uh, if they want to reach you, the best part is just go to boxlight.com. Yeah, if I mean. My, my name is Brayden, so if you search Brayden Moreno or Brayden.Moreno at boxlight.com, that's what my email is. Dan is already putting it in the show notes. Okay, I see okay, him now typing away, it. so we will make sure it's on the show notes. So Here's the, here's we're the gonna, There you go. There's the spelling. Uh, okay. It's all about the badge here yeah, at Nicegate. Yeah, that's it. Paul, any final thoughts? Um, I'm just excited to, to hear Brayden talk about his passion and what he's doing um, and we're just going to keep working on reaching those educators who have that have that light in them. And they, right. They want it. They want it to shine. And that's we've been, you know, uh, the three of you, uh, the three of us, we did it together in yeah. the school district. Uh, the teacher center is in our region is great because teachers can come with a passion and teach each other, and I can support them in that. So I'm just looking for more and more people, and I will, Braden. I will check in with you about how we can um, get get what you're doing in the hands of teachers more. So great! I, it's I'm good. Thanks for roping me in. That's it. I'm, I'm looking. There's a little hesitation by Paul. We're like, come on, Paul, you'll no, be fine. I'm, I'm no. just. I'm just looking like old times, guys. It that's feels it. Like it was yesterday. That's oh, it. When the, the Sprinter van can roll into yeah. Dutchess County and stop by the uh, teacher center Please on its way a, to Wappingers. Yeah. Please take a or picture in front of it, Paul, dabbing the astronaut. We'll have you dressed up. You know? I'll, be, I'll be around this area in the spring in the Sprinter van. So oh, we'll that's good. Happen. Springtime. Let's yep. let's figure it out. So yep. we're a little further south. Okay. So if you ever go down to the Hudson Valley area, that is where we are located which we're talking about, uh, about 90 minutes north of the city. Okay. Please, you know, we'll, we'll definitely connect and we'll figure out times and, okay. and, and go from there. But I think we're going to wrap up. Yes. We're good. All right, so once again, thank you for all your support. Listen on all the platforms. If you have questions, check out the show notes. Please reach out. Until next time, tech hard, work smart, live an adventure. Find Andrew on all socials at A Nicola Tech and Dan at WCSD Tech DR. 